Welcome to the Suffering Podcast. Each week, we walk you through how suffering is the way to sustainable success and the path to greatness. We are now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other major podcast platform. Please subscribe and like to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. You can always find our latest episodes at thesufferingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Please comment. We may even read your comments on future podcasts and even reach out to you for a future guest spot. Like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Suffering Podcast. Here you'll see links to episodes, updates, and inside information on how to achieve greatness through the joy of suffering. So get ready, sit down, and strap in. Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down and strap in. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, for the suffering Podcast. Podcast. We all need a little relief from time to time. And there's a new product out there that I want you to go check out. It's called Heroes Relief Wine. This wine's going to benefit four organizations dedicated to relieving the heavy burdens that weigh on our military and first responders' shoulders. These are people who take care of us. It's time we start returning the favor. This wine's going to benefit Live Free Farm, a veteran-run and owned animal sanctuary dedicated to the healing of invisible scars through animal therapy. 23rd Hour Angels, the healing team is comprised of three beautiful women that rescue military and first responders from the burdens that trauma causes. Dental Development Project and the Suffering Podcast help repair dents caused by suffering in first responders and their families by showing how there is light in the end of the tunnel. So go to oldyorksellers.com and search for Heroes Relief Wine or check our show notes for the link. All new Suffering Podcast gear is here. The show depends heavily on our supporters to get the word out. Let people know that suffering is a team sport and no one is alone in their struggles. Wearing the Suffering Podcast merchandise accomplishes that goal. Check out our store at thesufferingpodcast.com or check our show notes for the link. Your support and love means everything to us. Becoming accustomed to life's routine that's wrapped in comfort gives our existence a sense of normalcy. Although it's said often, with childlike innocence, that we want change. Change can be one of the many misunderstood words in the English language because on the surface, it implies hope for the future. The reality for most is change breeds chaos. Change throws a comfortable routine into disarray. Change can make you suffer. We work our careers into that habitual pattern that gives us purpose. The inevitable will arrive and retirement will be mandatory. Retirement sounds great when you start your career, but like the word change, it's misunderstood. Our routine will be thrown into chaos, while comfort will be replaced by confusion. 
I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we sit down with Kaya Washington to discuss the suffering of retirement. After faithfully serving as a police officer, Kaya understands the chaos and confusion that can come with retirement. Kaya, thank you so much for coming in today, and welcome. Thank you for having me. Kaya is, sits on our board of directors for Dented Development Project. And she's also a part of Doc's Dented Misfits. <laughs> Doc's Misfit Group. So she'll fit right in. She understands. She's known Mike and I for quite some time. She understands our humor or Mike's lack of humor. Before we get into any of the ball breaking, I want to get into this week's social media question. And it comes from David. David writes, can you identify what your worst habit is? Kaya, if you could pick out one of them that you don't like, obviously, because we have some habits that we like, what do you think one would be? I don't know, because I'm perfect. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the habit of being perfect. There, there, I think we could do a whole uh, show That's a whole that. other episode right there. Yeah, the suffering of being Kaya, perfect. what are you doing next week? You want to come back in? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll finish up with, with 53 episodes for this season. My only worst habit is that I like to play my game before I do anything else. You like to play your game? Yes. Well, like a, a phone game? Yeah. What's what's the game of choice? It's called Township. Township. It's like Farmville. Oh, okay. So you like to be your own mayor? <laughs> yeah, That's I am like, the mayor. <laughs> it's 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 having a god complex. <laughs> yep. Now, Mike, are you out of all those bad habits that you exhibit, what do you think your worst one is? I know this is gonna you're gonna have a cadre of things to pick from. I think my worst habit is driving up here every week. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, I I just think I'm too hard on myself about things. It becomes like... You take yourself in a closet and beat yourself over the head? Well, that's another habit, yeah, too. Yeah, it's a lot of different type of beating. <laughs> you know, it, you know it, it just wears you down. It's not like striving to be perfect, but it's always wanting to better myself. And it's you got to just... find that butter zone, though. That butter zone of you always want to be strive to be the best, but at the same time, you do have to accept that you, you did have some victories. And it, it's it's a tough thing because you don't want to be ego-driven. It's tough going through a mediocre life when you want to do what you want, when you want the best. To be completely honest with my worst habit is my anger. So there are often times when I let my anger get the best of me. I'm getting better at it over time because I'm learning to control. I got a couple different coping mechanisms. After my shooting, I went from zero to 100. Prior to that, it wasn't much better, but it was a little bit better. There was a little bit of a buildup. I think the hard thing for me is to get out of my own head and just keep replaying that. And I become this broken record and I catch myself doing it where I just, and it works me, works me up, works me up, works me up. The the anger is zero to death sentence in five seconds. Right. It's not healthy for anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't help your relationships with my kids and my wife. And well, I don't fucking care about your relationship with you. I'm going up. Where's Mandy? I'm going to go play with the dog for a while. My relationship with Mandy's perfect. Like it's perfect because I can let loose on her every once in a while when she's not behaving and, and she just loves me just the same. They should make all, all women like Mandy. Oh. <laughs> in case anybody forgot, Mandy's my dog. The best thing about Mandy is she does not talk back. She does not tell on me and she always loves me. But she gives you that sideways stare every once in a while. Every like once it. in a while, like, really? Jerk off. Really? You sinner. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> so Kaya Washington, I know... There's a couple things that we go over regularly within this podcast, and one of them is tell me about yourself, and the other one is your greatest suffering story. Well, 
we've been texting back and forth, and I have a feeling that they're the same question for you because telling us about yourself seems to be very difficult for you. Are you afraid that it's like an ego thing? You don't want to be look at me type of person? Because no. you said that's going to be your, you just don't know. That's the one question you, yeah. you're not prepared for. Because yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say about myself. See, Kai, Kai is like, she's very outgoing, but shy at the same time. Yeah. I think that, yeah, might, definitely. I think that yeah, might be definitely. a good way to put it. No, I don't, I don't talk about myself. It's like, what am I supposed to say about myself? You know? So. I well, you already said I you're perfect. Know. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, we, we're looking for, um, you know, blood type, urine sample. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't just show up here. You were birthed at some point. <laughs> let's start from the beginning. Yeah, let's start from the beginning. You know, that time you got diaper rash when you were one and a half. Stuff like that. That's what we're looking for. But there is, I understand that the difficulty. Kevin got diaper rash at 30. <laughs> <laughs> Playing football for as long as you have. You've never gotten diaper rash? Doesn't necessarily need to be from a diaper. You got that right. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Except when you grow up, you call it crotch rot. Crotch rot. Or, yeah, that, that's that's a different. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's absolutely. But women get it, too. Women, you know, it's it, okay. it's your nether regions. That's what's going to that's what's gonna happen. It gets moisture down there. But they don't have any hanging things. That... <laughs> Neither do you, but you still get it. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> so tell, telling somebody about yourself, I can understand your trepidation in doing that because you don't want to. Say, look at me. This, these are my accomplishments, and and trust me, we've come across people like that. Where are you from? That type of stuff is what we're looking for. You know, I'm from Patterson, so I grew up. That's where I still live. I worked in Patterson for 15 years, till I had to retire, and now I just do nothing like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think I work. And I enjoy it. <laughs> I think I work harder now than when I was a police officer. That's what I said. I mean, when we were working. It seems like you had time on your hands. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm retired, there's not enough hours in a day to do half of the things I want to do. Yeah. Between my regular job, between co- coaching football, which has just ended, between helping friends of mine, between this show, between being on the phone, between the nonprofit, yeah. I've really carved out quite a horrific life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that bad. It's, yeah. not, it's very fulfilling. Let's yeah. put it that way. Being a police officer for so long, you have a lot of perspective working in the area that you grew up in you see these people who i'm sure you saw growing up what was that like i think when i would see when i would see people that i grew up with doing bad i used to think about my mother all the time because my mother used to tell me all the time in school don't worry about what everybody else is doing she said because when you get older they're not going to be doing as good as you are Mm -hmm. and when yeah when i started working i was like wow she was absolutely right because people are that you thought were doing so well, like they were so popular and everything, they're doing, it's like it's horrible. And it's, it's tough to see, too. All you got to do is go back to your high school reunion. The guy who was the most popular is you know, 450 pounds, and he married the cheerleader, and she's got like a mustache bigger than him. And Well, that's uh, Facebook life, too. Yeah. You see all these people on Facebook, and, and I don't have Facebook, but I've seen it and heard it that... You know, these, these people put out these things that they're like the greatest things in sliced bread. How when you, you, know, find, when you, you finally see them, see them yeah. yeah. How do you know somebody's marriage in, is in trouble? They talk about how much they love their spouse on Facebook. That's, <laughs> and, and, that's the truth. And all of these different filters where you can make yourself look better and all that. Listen, you ain't making this look better. 
<laughs> you need a whole team. You got that right. You need industrial light and magic from a George Lucas to make makeup you a... artist or something. <laughs> but I know we've had multiple conversations about this because it's it's that nature versus nurture argument. You grew up in Patterson, and from what you have told me, your area of where you grew up was really not a nice area. Mm-hmm. It was some it was some rough things going on there. Drug dealers on the street. Uh, my question to you, and I don't know if you recall this, was then why did you make it out? And it, it, I already knew the answer without you telling me because you had a strong parental presence. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think that is, I've long said that's the key to getting out of any bad environment. Yeah. But see, the the thing that gets me about Patterson and growing up in, in any type of rough area, quote unquote rough area, I have never met one great person that didn't come out of some sort of struggle. Yeah. And they have that already. They're born into that. They don't have to go join the military to create it. I'm not saying they're created by the military. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. They People join the military and these events happen to them and then they overcome them and they become great. Where people in Patterson, if they only realize the amount of power that they, the potential power that they have, man, they could do some wonderful things. Yeah. You know what? That, that, that's what it is too. You, you grow up in that environment. You get street smarts. And I always said I'd take a street smart cop over a book smart cop anytime. Which one are you? Neither. Okay. That's why that, that was the right answer. Right answer. <laughs> I grew up on the mean streets of North Arlington. <laughs> <laughs> the suffering and the struggles of just growing up in that atmosphere to, to overcome all that and not go the other way and make something out of yourself. I mean, I, I, I think they'd make like great business people. They would because they already have the mental fortitude yep, in order exactly. to do it. Why they don't do that, uh, I believe they become very complacent and comfortable in their environment. I've seen that happen. Fall into the traps. It's almost like a prisoner being institutionalized. You're around all this horrible stuff that that's what you get used to. Is that Would that be a fair assessment anyway? You're, you live there. I don't. Yeah, I think I think people lose hope and they're like, what's the point of trying? But if you don't try, who else is going to do it? Well, that's the one way you're never going to get out. Yeah. You're never going to break that cycle. Is to just stop trying. Yeah, absolutely. It's that lottery thing. Yeah. The only way you're sure never to hit the lottery is not to play. Yeah. 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 And look at Victor Cruz. You know, Victor Cruz came out of Patterson and look what he made himself into now. There are scores and scores and scores of people that have been successful coming from Newark, Patterson, Jersey City, all these inner city environments, and they've really thrived. And they can, and, and it's a great amount of pride to look back and go, that I came from that, yeah, and then look at where I am now. Now the reality of inner city life, and I saw this a lot in Newark because where I worked was Essex County, was you have a core group of really good people surrounded by some people who are just criminals, and they're ruining it for everybody. There is a great group of people that really. They're just good-hearted people, but they can't get out because, hey, an apartment in Newark is $400. An apartment out here is $1,200 plus, $1,600, $2,000. So where else are they going to go? They don't have the means to do it. So that's where the trap happens. You seem to have made good from an inner-city girl. Have you ever thought about leaving? No. (laughs) (laughs) Is that where you're comfortable? This is the, you know. It's just... I know where I live is definitely getting really bad, mm-hmm. but that's where I, that's where I'm from. That's what I know, whatever. So I guess 
change. Everybody doesn't want change. It's like, I'm good where I am. Like, my family's right there. Everything's closed. Like, I know where I'm at and stuff like that. But Well, change is an important thing. Everybody says they want change. But do you really want change? Mm -hmm. Because in the opening here, I talk about change, and it kind of throws your life into chaos and confusion. But if you listen to every politician talk, time for change, time for change. But they never tell you what's going to change. And change is one of the most misunderstood words in the English language. And we're actually here to talk about a big life-changing event, and that's the suffering of retirement. Because you really went through hell in the retirement process. But before we get there, I know everybody has a really deep, dark, suffering story. And I'd like you to tell yours. Well. Driving up here? (laughs) (laughs) No. She was out of her comfort zone. No, no, I'm not. Toto, we're not in Patterson anymore. (laughs) I I drive up here every Thursday for Thirsty Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin never told me you came here every Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Let me clarify that. Not here. (laughs) This area. (laughs) I'm sure if my wife does listen to this one, she'll get into it. What do you mean she's coming? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you come up here, you come up here for Thirsty where? <laughs> the pub, Pub 199. Oh, that's the other way. You're, you're. Further, yeah, further you're out. Further, yeah, further, yeah, Pub 199s. Yeah, yeah. That's good. But anyway. Shameless plug. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so come be, meet Kaya this Thursday. And... <laughs> they're they're going to be brought on as sponsors for season two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, your, your suffering story. I have a feeling I know what it is, but I'm not 100% certain unless there's something that you haven't shared. Unfortunately, this group of people here have shared stories about each other in group therapy that we probably shouldn't ever let out. (laughs) But we're not going to tell anybody. Yeah. (laughs) That's our secret. Yeah. No, mine is, this is like the only, like the worst thing that has happened to me to really change my life. Like there's other bad things that happen to you. But this is like the worst because it changed my comp- my entire life. So I was doing school traffic, just standing on the corner, being a crossing guard. As a police officer. Yeah, as a police officer, yeah. yeah. You know, thank goodness the kids hadn't come out of school yet. This man just walked right up to me. Uh, I blacked out. So I don't even remember what happened to me. I just know he, he came up to me. I saw him right in my face and then everything just went black. So if the witness went and came forward, I wouldn't have even known what happened to me. And it's been six and a half years later, and I still don't remember what happened to me. But he came up to me and just started fighting me. Was he an EDP or an emotionally disturbed person? Yeah, he's schizophrenic. And he was diagnosed and everything. So he wasn't taking his medication. He decided that day he wanted to die. So he came up to me, started fighting me. The only thing I remember is when I came to that I'm on the ground, and he was on top of me trying to take my gun from me. And it's like, oh, God. And then he started asking the question. He was like, like, what you going to do? And I'm like, is this a test? Like, what do you mean? What am I going to do? Like, I know what I'm supposed to do here. We're fighting on the ground. I somehow got him off of me. He gets up. He starts running. Did now, anybody see how you, you I mean, I'm going to guess he hit you with something. For you not to remember, that's the only thing I can. No, I think what happened was because when they say you go into the fight or flight, whatever he said to me, I think it, it like actually scared me enough. Like, this man is about to do something to me. Oh. Because he didn't hit me and knock me out. That's what that's what I yeah. that was my question. You know, oh, okay, did he, did yeah. he hit you on something where you lost no, consciousness? It was whatever he said to me that was like something bad is about to happen to me. 
and it just went out. So you go, you, he told you you were about to go on a date with Mike Felice, <laughs> and you just That's scary enough blacked out. <laughs> I had enough. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the weirdest thing because I do. I re, I actually remember everything going black. From there, I don't know what happened, but of course, I was in the moment because I fought him. Did somebody witness any of this? Yeah, yeah. There, there, there was a there was a few people that witnessed it, but only one came forward because you had people like, "Am I going to get paid?" It's like get paid to be a witness. Like all you, got, all you have to do is just say what you just saw. That like that's it. We don't need nothing else from you. I'm really surprised it's not on video with the with the cell okay. phones. The video from the the um, city's camera, it, like of course it ca- it captures everything. The moment that he started walking across the street, the the camera panned the other way because you know it's on a cycle. It panned the other way, and it was like, okay, we're not going to see what happened to me after everything happened. And we're running across the street. Now Now the camera's going the, that way again. And you can see us running across the street. And I can see other people on the street. Like, they're trying to get their cell phone out to record what happened instead of it's a helping. Sad, it's a sad state of affairs. That's just what I was going to say. It's yeah. a sad state of affairs. Instead of helping, I got to get it on video because yeah, exactly. I want the next yeah. viral video. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sell it to all these different news outlets and make money off it. Yeah. And- there's a, there's somebody that's in need. And it, this, is, this is where... This is... A very disappointing way that society has gone. I hate to get into it, sit on my soapbox and give a social commentary, but you sit on the soapbox. Yeah, Come on, yeah, I know. <laughs> but to, instead of helping your fellow human, you're looking for personal glory and ego. Yeah. Now that's 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 sad. That's yeah. very very sad. It is. That's what our country's become. It's disgusting. He gets you on the ground. He's trying to get your gun, and that's that's the point in which you you have a recollection. Yeah, yeah. I start that. That's when I start to remember what happened. So him trying to take my gun from me, and I'm like, okay, well, because my first thing was, I gotta shoot this man. <laughs> like he's <laughs> he's trying to kill me. That's the first thing I thought. And then I was like, he's trying to take my gun from me. So I'm like, I can't take my gun out because I take it out, we're gonna fight for my gun. So, like, we're not doing that. When I get him off me, he starts running. Now I'm trying to get it out because now I'm like, like, yeah, he's if he comes back at me, I, what other choice do I have? We are, mm-hmm. we already fought. We're past we're past that point. He starts running, and when as soon as he turns, he stops. He turns around. And as soon as he did that, I literally just unholstered my gun, but I didn't have it out yet. He turned around. He said, "Shoot me, bitch!" I said, "Oh no, we're not doing this." <laughs> I was like. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to shoot this man because he wants me to shoot him. Suicide by cop. Yeah, I was well, like, we're, we're not for, doing that. Thank God for double and triple retention holsters. Correct? <laughs> you know, yeah, that's what that's what kept him from getting yes, yes. fumbling for a gun. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you know, the old sheriff type of you know when Mike was when Mike was coming up, the old sheriff type that hung on the leg. That's that's single retention. You just pull it out and you're ready to go. All I had was a buckle. <laughs> Didn't even have a buckle back then. Back when Wyatt Earp, you know, locked him up. Or came, Wyatt Earp was his school resource officer. <laughs> no, I was Wyatt Earp's school resource officer. <laughs> as far as uh, physical bruises, bumps, anything anything serious that came out of that? I had... Um... Aside from the mental yeah. portion of it, I'm talking physical. Yeah, no, I I ended up getting um, a herniated disc from it. I guess from the being thrown to the ground, I got a herniated disc from that. I had, like the scrapes, the bruises. I could never figure out why my neck was hurting uh, when I was in the hospital. But when the when I saw the witness statement, it was because he was he was on my back trying to strangle me. I was like this man was really trying to. 
kill me or, you know, hurt me enough to get me to kill him, I guess. But yeah, like he was, he was like, he was determined. <laughs> he has that much determination <laughs> to attack a cop, but he doesn't have enough determination to kill himself. Himself, yeah. 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 It doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. Going down on a blaze of glory, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the after effects of this, which Mike and I are well aware of, of your after effects of this, and it, it, it damaged you more mentally than physically, correct? Yeah. And my definition of PTSD has always been knowing you're going to die, accepting it, and then not dying and have to live with the after effects. Yeah. It really takes you down a really dark rabbit hole. And I know you sat inside that rabbit hole for quite some time because you hadn't made up your mind to retire, correct? No, I didn't want to retire. You even, went, even after it happened, I didn't want to retire. So you went back to work after that, right? I did. How long it, was that? It took two and a half years after the incident happened for them to actually send me back to work, which was crazy. But I went through a whole year of them not doing anything for me. Your department? Yeah. Yeah. They sent me to they sent me to a therapist who was the most horrible person. And you Do guys, not mention you, any I, names because I, 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 I guarantee. I am not. <laughs> I am not. Probably starts but, with a G. But you guys know who it is. No, it starts with a C. You, uh, you guys know who it we is. We know yeah. him, too. He's yeah. my buddy. He's my buddy. We've talked about him quite a few times on here without mentioning names. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Donaldson. Uh, you were an officer. Didn't you expect to get shot at? Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. What you mean expect? I'm like, I know this can happen, but no, I did not expect it was going to happen like this. Like, no. Yeah, we leave, the, leave the house that day. Hey, honey, I'll see you later. I'm going to work. Hey, today I'm probably going to get shot at. I got to expect it. Let, let yeah. me guess. That was that you were sent to him by workers' comp. By workers' comp, yeah. Because yeah. he can't get work on his own, so mm-hmm. he's got to get he it. He has through. a workers' comp. Yeah. yeah. So, so part of the reason, and, and like I said earlier, Kaya sits on our on our board of directors for Dental Development. Part of the reason that Mike and I started Dental Development, and yes, Mike came up with the with the name. He came up with the name. <laughs> Listen, if I don't do that, he's going to go home. He's going to sit in the corner and cry all day. <laughs> I am in the corner over here. I could just, I could just cry if I want. <laughs> but it's part of the, my party. I could cry if I want to. One of the thing when we were things when we were spitballing, because of this same doctor that both Mike, both all all of us in here have been to, was mm. such a horrible doctor. Wouldn't have been. We we were talking about how it would be nice to have the means to send an officer in a critical incident to a proper therapist yeah. and not have to go through this guy who exacerbates the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was worse after seeing. Him. I was too. Yeah, I was too. He he just made me feel like he wasn't going to do anything to help me because he actually said to me, he was like, "We're going to do four sessions. Um, you'll be off for another month, and then you're going to go back to work." I was like, "Wait, how do we know this already?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he found the cure. Yeah, because he's paid by workman's comp yeah. to send people back to work. Yeah. He, well, to- he told me to enjoy the time off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because that was so much fun, right? Yeah. Wake night terrors and stuff like that. That is the same guy. When I went away to rehab, when I went to the Princeton house, mm-hmm. they didn't allow us to have our phones there. So when I did get a chance to use my phone, I called him because I was supposed to have an appointment the next day. It wasn't like I missed an appointment. I was supposed to have an appointment. He never called me back. I said, look, hey, doc, I'm in rehab. I had to go here. This is what it is. Never called me back. When I finally got in touch with him, oh no, he sends me a message. Doesn't call me, sends me a message and says, yeah, I can no longer see you. He dropped me because I went to rehab. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and because of that, it, it screwed up everything, work, workers' comp, but that's a, that's an entirely different story. But your department, 
Were they sort of hands off on you? Everything was talk to workman's comp. Oh, really? They didn't want to deal with anything. No. When I decided, like this, this therapist wasn't wasn't for me. I actually went to the PBA, and he actually sent me to another doctor that wasn't through workman's comp. He was like, "Well, go see this guy. This is this is who we all go see." Doctor Steph. No, no, it wasn't. But in the same office, the next, the next. Oh office. yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes. So signed my retirement. I was, I was seeing him, and I was good with it. But then, um, we got into. I have a workman's comp case, and he said, "Okay, I guess he looked into it." And then my next appointment, he called me. I was on my way. He called me. He said, "I can't see you no more." Like, well, why not? Because you have workman's comp. You have to go through a workman's comp therapist. Do you understand that once a psychologist or a psychiatrist starts seeing you, they are legally obligated to treat you because just like a doctor, there is medical malpractice for them as well. It's called uh, psychological abandonment. Mm. And I was going to go after this doctor that we were talking about earlier, but then you start thinking, like, what's the point? Yeah. Really, what's the point? Yeah. Is it is it for my own ego or is it to, to hurt him? Or you know, part of me was so he would never do this to anybody again, but he's going to continue doing it. So what's the point? Well, I don't what's think he point? can anymore. I think workers' comp even dropped them now. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. There mm-hmm. was just too many complaints coming in. From what I understand, the higher-ups in the PBA said, this guy's done. Mm, okay. Your department laid their hands off you. At what point? They, they didn't get involved at all. Because my department was they always sticking their nose in it. They it was weird because they did not they didn't bother me. The therapist they sent me to after I told them I don't want to see him. I told workman's comp I don't want to see him no more. They sent me to the G's. <laughs> the G's. The G's. I was there. I was there. Actually, never went to them. I I had a decent experience with her with, okay. the, with the wife. Well, I saw her because yeah. but mainly because by the time I got to her, I was already retired. So there was, oh, okay. there was no okay. reason. There was nothing, yeah. She was just collecting a paycheck from workers' okay, comp. Okay, yeah. The cheese. The cheese. <laughs> so. it's a lot of inside information being thrown out here today. Some people that know what we're talking about are going to go, I know them. I know yeah. them. I know them. <laughs> I know them. <laughs> Hopefully so, it never gets back to them. See, when you run in like our inner circle like this, We've it's, all ju- seen the it's same just people. like a head nod. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know what I'm talking about. Yep, yeah. yep, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she did my um, evaluation. Think, yeah to see if I still needed therapy. She told me at the at the end of hers that she was sending me back to work. This is right at the end of the session that she was going to send me back to work. And she was like, well, don't worry about it. It's the holidays. My assistant has to type up, you know, my notes and everything. So you won't go back to work until after um, the new year. So I'm like, like how does how do these people, how do you come up with this just by, you're just seeing me right now. So I was like, Okay, all right, well, going back to work. She called me a week later. I hadn't spoken to her no more. She called me a week later, and she said, well, after I reviewed my notes and everything, I decided that you actually do need treatment, and I'm not going to send you back to work. So I was like, all right, fine. (laughs) Now I'm waiting for them to call me to give me an appointment. Nobody ever called, so it was like— Then she refers you to the other G— yeah. No, it was, no. Here it goes. A week later, I called her office, and the secretary told me she was like, "Well, we can't make an appointment for you because somebody at City Hall." 
I forgot what you call them. Um, you're, Patterson's Patterson's government building, yeah. whoever it may be. They decided, no, we're we're not sending her to therapy. So it was like, how does this person sitting in the office just decides that I I can't go through the therapy? Work Miss Comp couldn't send me because this person said we're not sending her to therapy. So it's like, okay, now now what am I supposed to do? When in reality, you know, the doctors, the the shuffling of doctors back and forth. It's not that you these doctors are not fun. They're they're this no. is not a joyride. This is not a vacation. All you want to do is get some relief. Yeah. Some relief. You finally go end up going back to work after getting shuffled around and shuffled around. And that's a nightmare in itself. Yeah. You're in limbo for that, yeah. that whole time. Yeah. Two and a half years. That's well, crazy. Well, for a whole year, they didn't do anything. I, I got my own therapist and I was seeing my own therapist. Now in Patterson, you can be out of work sick for a whole year and then you're supposed to come back or whatever it is. I didn't know how that actually worked. I didn't have to come back after a year. I still was able to get workman's comp after the year was up. Good but point. now, but my thing was, what were they, I don't like, how do I come back to work? I'm thinking in my head, it's a year I'm supposed to come back to work. So I called internal affairs and they were like, you got to call workman's comp. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. You know, so, I've, I've actually had nightmares about this. I've had nightmares after I retired where somehow you figure out I'm going back to work and the anxiety in that dream is overwhelming. Yeah. Well, my therapist, my the therapist I had, she actually really did get me ready to go back to work. So when I when I was under the impression that I'm going to have to go back to work now, I was ready for it. And then Workman's Comp tell me, oh, you can't just go back to work. You got to be evaluated. I said, the last thing y'all did to me was evaluate me. We are proud to introduce the Dented Development Project. In conjunction with the Suffering Podcast, the Dented Development Project is a nonprofit 501c3 with a mission. That's to help first responders and their families repair dents caused by suffering. Visit us at DentedDevelopmentProject.com and get involved today. Helping us means that we can take care of those who take care of us. Well, how did your how did the your friends inside the department? I know you're, you're friends with Ursi, who's one of my favorites. Mm. She, I love her. Yeah. She's the greatest. Yeah. How did they support you throughout this whole process? P- people forget about you. Oh, they did. Out yes. of sight, out of mind. People do. They forget about you. I'm like the girl who was supposed to had been there in my position when the incident happened. She never even reached out to me. Oh, really? You were taking somebody's place that day. Yeah, she um she went home sick. Oh. Yep, she went home. She went home early. Was that, that a boyfriend day. that attacked? <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't even supposed to be there. Yeah. So that was that's a whole other thing too. Like I wasn't supposed to be there. So why they? You know why did I get sent there? Like why did this happen to me when it wasn't supposed to happen to me? Have you spoken to her at all since? I did. I finally did. Does she have like any guilt or? All she said was, "I didn't know what to say to you." Well, I, that I get. That I get. Yeah. Okay, because I, when I first went out, there was there was people who I thought would contact me, and some people did, but a lot of people didn't. I get it now. I didn't see it then, but I get it now. Like, what, first of all, anything they would say, I didn't really want to talk to anybody. That was the big thing. And what are they going to say to me? Are they going to really be able to say anything that makes me feel better? No. Yeah. So, like, so I my get thing it. Is we have it, there's text messaging now. She could have just sent me a text, yeah. you know. Thinking about you. Heard, yeah, heard what happened, you know, are you okay? You know, just something like that. But, I had people. But you, women are different than men. See, women are different than <laughs> men. Like, hey, I'm thinking about you, nothing else. Like, 
Mike said, hey, I'm thinking about you. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, listen. While doing what, mister? <laughs> let's, let's not bring up the text you sent me yesterday. Oh, yeah, well, dude. <laughs> so just a, just a quick side note. We have somebody lined up coming on for beginning of season two. And it's a it's a pretty big name, male. So, yeah, he's a male, <laughs> and I, I, I get. Wait, was it this morning that I texted you or yesterday. yesterday? So yesterday morning I text Mike. I'm like, man, I was up all night thinking about that guy, and automatically Mike's mind goes to the worst possible place. <laughs> of like, no, no, the, you know, he knew what I was talking about. He goes, thank God. I think that the message was, thank God, I know what you were talking about. And then I re- reread the message. I'm like, oh, come <laughs> yeah. on. Come on. <laughs> so, so the joking doesn't stop just in this room. It's 24-7. No, no, you, you, the, texts, the text messages with, with the group therapy, like Kai is involved in our group therapy, that's how we relate to each other. Does with your friend, Are your friends inside the police department, is it predominantly a female presence or is there also male males that you're close with in that manner? It was both. Really. It was both? Yes, yeah, it's both equally, yeah. But I was going to say about the, the reaching out also, there were people that did reach out to me right after it happened. People that didn't even have my phone number worked on my shift. They're like, hope it's okay. I got your phone number from such and such. You know, I just want to heard what happened. Just wanted to reach out to you. So people did do that in the beginning, which was, which was great. I'm like, at least there are people that care. But the people that I actually worked with on a daily basis really didn't. Yeah, that's scary. The guy who was the best man at my wedding, who was an officer with me, never once. Yeah. Never once. It's amazing. Yeah. Like that one, that one bothered me. I yeah. got to be honest with you. That one bothered me. You know, the minute you walk out that door, and I've seen it with people who retire, the minute you walk out the door, there's somebody there that doesn't even know who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's it's an out of sight, out of mind. So you go back to work. What was the anxiety like when you stepped in that door? Um. Well, I went through another year and a half of having to deal with going to different therapists that were absolutely horrible still. Cause it seemed like they didn't know where to send me. Right. The people they were sending me to, like I had one lady, she, she would tell me all the time, workman's cop hasn't paid me. That's not, that's what, that's not what I'm here <laughs> yeah, for exactly. to talk about. Like that's not for me to know. I'm here to talk about my issues. And then I like to do, um, the EMDR therapy. You just she, like the hypnotize. It's all. It <laughs> <laughs> so she was just learning about it. She could get me into it, but she couldn't bring me back. You like bring me back out. She'd be like, "Oh, it's our time." You know, it's and like, you're still you're still, you're still <laughs> she's still rubbing her belly and patting her head. <laughs> every time a every time you see a blue light, parrot, parrot. <laughs> But yeah, so I would leave her off her not even her office, her front porch, because that's where her, her office was, her front porch. Because that was her part-time job. She uh, told me that too. And I'm like, I was sitting in the car, like had to decompress in the car before I before I could even start driving. And I'm like, these I'm like, you you people gotta start, like, you gotta be better than this. She told Workman's Comp she didn't want to see me no more. <laughs> the the problem with Workman's Comp doctors. Because I had a friend of mine who was a chiropractor who used to be. Now, the the problem is they pay – Workman's Comp pays very well and they pay quick, okay. which is unlike most of insurance companies. They pay slow, but they pay. But And it's usually they're trying to negotiate an amount. And it's guaranteed money. It's guaranteed mm-hmm. money. The problem is, is you are beholden to what they say. And this, is, this came right from my buddy's mouth. 
they're, you're beholden to them. If they want you back to work, you go back to work. Yeah. If you if they don't listen to you, they will never get another patient sent to them. Mm. So the reason what my friend said, he goes that my my ethical obligation to my patients got in the way of what workers' comp was saying. So I had to just say I'm not going to be this doctor. But he goes, they pay fantastic. Mm, okay. So that's that's the sin. Yeah. They finally sent me to a therapist who she actually used to be a police officer because she does the EMDR. She was also an officer. So finally, somebody that actually understands, and she worked with my therapist because I was still going to my therapist. I would see her and my therapist too. And she would, they would talk, you know, about, you know, trying to help me out together. Was which your was personal great. therapist our friend? With my, with my, no. No, still no. different. different guy. Yeah, she didn't, they, they didn't know each other. The workman's comp therapist wanted to, you know, work with her because she knows more about me than she, you know, than she did. She's new to me. It's like, okay, again, I, when they decided, because I only had a certain amount of sessions, they sent me back to get evaluated. It's like, okay, well, you can go back to work now. So I was like, okay, going back to work. But I was thinking of it like, well, what are, what are they going to do with me? Of course, they put me inside. Mm-hmm. I think I would have felt better just going right. Well, you were li- you were a liability if they put you outside. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what it is. It's nothing about safety; it's about liability. Yeah. So they put me inside. They were like, um, they put me in the radio room. So I'm like, all right, this is fine. I've I've done this before. I was a dispatcher while I was a cop. I was a dispatcher sometimes. Yeah, but Mike and I have been in that that dispatch area that or the reception area anyway. Man, you, oh, at Patterson Police. Yeah, Patterson Police. <laughs> we were just there not too long ago, and. We, you got to deal with some of these people off the street going, what are you, what's going on? So the anxiety of that for me, and I, I can only be looking at how I would react to it, I would lose my mind if I had to do that. If I had to go back to work after being off for two and a half years. Yeah. Being inside, like I said, I was I was actually fine with this. Like, it's not, it wasn't the same as being out. So when, I, when they decided... We don't need you inside no more. What I forgot exactly how they put it. It was like, okay, we're going to put you, you know, put you on the street. So I'm like, I'm going back to my, they did put me back on my regular shift because I always had the same shift. So they put me back there. So me, I'm like, okay, at least that's familiar. Most of the people that are on my shift were still there. I reached out to two people. One was on vacation. So I can't work with him. So I reached out to the next person and she was like, yeah, sure. You could be my partner if it's okay with, you know, like with everybody else, the supervisor and everything. So they were like, okay, we'll put you in a car with somebody. I was like, okay, fine. Four days I was in the car with her. That was it. The next week I was by myself. <laughs> so Almost like a, an abbreviated FTO. Yeah. Field training yeah. officer. Yeah. So my thing is I that I didn't feel comfortable with. Because I still felt like I wanted somebody to be right there with me. But I I felt like they should have been more understanding of why I felt like that. So, like, yes, ease me back into actually being out there that I'm, that I'm, you can see that I'm used to it now. When did your PTC, your Police Training Commission, retire? Is it after three years? I thought it was two. Or is it it's two? I thought it was two. Might have been changed to three, though. Yeah. I, your your PTC certification is actually your graduate degree yeah, from like the your, police your academy. Diploma, your diploma much. from the police academy and there is an expiration date i thought it, i could if you're it, out of work if you're out of work some, yeah. i could have sworn it expires after three years mm-hmm. but uh if you're saying two I, i'm not 100 percent certain on that well if kaya was out two and a half years and it can't be she'd have to redo the academy now. yeah it, 
I don't. I don't. I, I think it's three. I'm sure it slips through the cracks. Yeah. I'm sure it slips through the cracks, even if it was two years. Yeah, well, it's another six months. It's no big deal. It's no big <laughs> well, deal. Well, when I came back, I actually came back at a perfect time for them because they had an academy that was finishing up. And since they go to Bergen County Academy, they had to do like two weeks training in Patterson to teach you exactly what's going on in Patterson. So they threw me they threw me in that class. So, yeah. so two weeks is all you need to know. <laughs> you know, you need to be in Patterson two weeks to know what's going on in Patterson. Right, right. Yeah, because <laughs> looking at it from the outside in, it just seems like a nice, congenial, suburban neighborhood. We got Lou Costello Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pigeon shit all over his statues. Uncle like Floyd. Uncle Floyd was there. <laughs> Don Bosco used to be there. You know, stuff like that. You have to be on your toes in those inner cities because at any given moment, it, the training that you receive inside inner cities, I always thought officers should do at least a year in the inner cities because you'll see, you'll see the different types of calls on a much frequent, more frequent basis where what you saw in one year for a little suburban department like mine, it's going to take me 10. Mm. It's going to take me at least five to see the amount of the volume you see in one year. But I don't fit in that neighborhood. I'm telling you now, I don't fit in that neighborhood. I but, shouldn't be there. Well, that's why I'm glad that when I got on the job, Patterson had its own academy. So yeah. we got trained just by Patterson. That's good. Which, yeah, which was really good. Yeah. Because so. they could tell you, they can sort of give you the heads up of what to expect. So you're back to work. At what point did you pull back, pull back out? Them just sending me out there by myself. It was like things that would happen, like going on certain calls and stuff. I didn't feel comfortable. I pulled over a car at one time, and all I could think was, what if this man, like, I'm like, I don't know why this is my first thought. I was like, what if this man hits me? I'm like, why am I getting out the car thinking this, you know, the first thought? Like, this shouldn't be my first thought. Just second guessing everything. I was like, no, this is not. I can't do this. It like, becomes this, dangerous this not, then. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I was like, I, I can't. Mean, you got to be focused, focused on what you're doing. And if your mind is racing, yeah. you know, I'm sure your anxiety level is through the roof. Yeah. Know? That is a great lesson for the, 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 the current climate in the country with all the protests. Even when it's good shoots and stuff like this, there's enough good shoots. There's enough bad shoots to go protest, but they're protesting everything. And what it's doing is it's making officers second guess themselves and just- And to, hesitate. And hesitate. What, exactly what you just went through. Yeah. But I, at this point, did you have it in your mind that maybe I, I got to retire? My last day that I worked, I, I swear I felt like I was being punished. They sent me on a school traffic, and I'm like, why would you do this to me? Right it's back to, it, into, yeah. the, into the fire. They sent me on a school traffic. It was on the same street, but just not the same corner. <laughs> it was the same street. It was the same type of day. It was a rainy day. All it is, I'm in the same, like I said, I'm in the same area. So there's EDPs around there too. Like, it was two crazy people walking around the whole time I was doing the school traffic. And I just felt nervous the whole time. So I did the school traffic because I'm like, I can't. Just Welcome not to my world when I walk into Patterson. <laughs> I feel like that every second that I'm there. Because oh, you're an EDP. That, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. But that that's, but, so that, that feeling, in all honesty, those people who are not from the city, you know, let me let me let me rephrase that. I I am not afraid to go anywhere in Atlantic City because that's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. Patterson and Newark, there is never once where I feel comfortable. Never once. Mm -hmm. 
that feeling you have mirrors the feeling that I have. Okay. When I go into that, I'm always looking over my shoulder. I'm just never relaxed. I'm never at ease. Yeah. And it's just because it's a very unfamiliar re- environment to mm. me. I just, that, that day, I just felt like it was just going to be a replay of what happened to me originally. So I was like, I can't work like this today. So I, I called my sergeant. He was like, well, you know, like, just go home. So I'm like, all right. No, it's, I went home. Basically, I went home injured, basically, because I'm not sick. So I'm going home because of the PTSD. Right. So basically, it's it's my, my injury. Mentally injured. Yeah. So. Do you think they sent you back to work too soon? Or they, maybe they should have never sent you back to work? Threw her into the fire too soon. Yeah. I mean, this is all retrospect. This is Monday morning quarterbacking. Looking back, do you think that they were wrong to send you back to work? I think it's just, it was wrong the way they went about it. Because if I'm telling you how I think I would feel comfortable being back at work, do that. Not just do it for a week. And then it's like, oh, she's been on for however many years. She should know what to do. Like, she should be fine. Like, you're a copy. Like, you should be. No, I'm not. I'm not fine, though. Like, when people come out the academy, you don't put them in the car by themselves the first day they, they come on the, you know, come on the road. It should have it should have been more eased back into it. But I don't even know how much longer I would have had to feel like I needed to be with somebody. But at least give me that option myself. And if I couldn't couldn't do it no more, then maybe I would have said myself, I can't do it. To be very honest with you, I followed this journey from the very beginning, I, I knew you soon after yeah. the event happened. Yeah. And I knew you were thinking about going back to work. You were trying to actively get back to work. The back of my head, and I think I, I've actually told you this, the back of my head, I said, you're, you're, you're crazy. You're not ready. Because yeah. at that point, I was beyond my stuff. Yeah. yeah well, I, you you're know, not we, ready. We, we talk about that far away look. Yeah. You know, when Kaya first came to group, she had that look. Yeah. <laughs> she had that look like. Well, you know, because I felt like what happened to me, I felt like okay, it's not that bad. Like, you had a fight with somebody. But it's like, no, you didn't just have a fight with somebody. Somebody was trying to kill you, thought you were going to die. So that's... In, that, that was again, a, yeah. That's the definition. That's <laughs> the what definition I like. The definition of PTSD. Yeah. And with Mike, Mike couldn't figure out where that was. And and I was... when Mike was in here in episode nine for everybody that wants to listen to that yeah, for high, the 17th down, time. Highest downloaded episode we had. Yes. Go ahead. <clears throat> so during Mike's incident, you know, he got the got the driver... And then when he goes in to turn off the car, the passenger pops up. And at that moment, that was the holy shit moment where if this guy had a gun, I'm dead. So he accepted he was going to die and he didn't. Yeah. In my mind, that's where you get it. Where you get it, it, probably during the whole fight or when you wake up and you see he's trying to actively get your gun to kill you. And it didn't happen. Now, here's the sad part. You finally make the decision to, I can't do this anymore. Did you get any retirement party? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> no, of course, <laughs> of course not. not. Somebody put this, I didn't make this up, but somebody told me this. He goes, you got cops going through 25-year careers, and they do nothing. They do nothing. Yet they have this big retirement party. Look at me. I got the gold watch where you are, are forced to retire due to a critical incident because you cannot do the job anymore. Yeah. And I know that's hard. It's a hard thing to swallow, but that's the truth. You can't do that job anymore. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. But you, you know yeah. what happened to me? This is great. We had a guy that, let's just say he retired in disgrace. You know, he was suspended for probably the last two years of his career, wound up retiring. 
So I went to a PBA meeting. Now, to, now I had been retired for a year at this point, maybe even longer. Let's go to a PBA meeting and they're, they're voting on whether they should give this guy the retirement PBA watch. <laughs> okay. So the president says, well, we really should give it to him. They said, everybody that retires gets a watch. I raised my hand. Yeah. I said, I've been retired over a year. I haven't gotten a fucking watch yet. Oh, okay. And this guy, this guy ended in disgrace. Yeah. Yeah. And he got a watch before I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you just get a watch because you're disgraceful. Yeah. <laughs> Had to watch for a week and a battery died. <laughs> so you go through, Kai, you go through all these different problems. You're, you're, you're mentally struggling to, to come to terms with a career that just isn't for you anymore. Do you remember the moment where you said, I'm done? See, when I went back out of work, I, I thought they would maybe start sending me to therapy again. Let's see <laughs> what, 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 that, like, what we could do. But what I didn't understand also was when they sent me back to work, why did they the therapy just stop? When they sent me back to work, why didn't they keep me in therapy with the therapist they, they were sending me to? Like that would have made that would have made more sense. Of course it would have, yes. But no, nothing makes sense there. They sent me to another evaluation at the the place that they send everybody now. Slosher and <laughs> Yeah. Oh Guller, was, was uh, Oak, Oakland. Oakland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oakland, Oakland. That that yes. that place. So they we, sent we me, could say their names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they sent me there and the the guy, he was like, well, you've reached maximum medical improvement. So I'm like, what does that mean? Like, that well, there's no, Yeah, there's nothing else we can do for you. So I'm like... Maximum medical benefit. That's what it is. That's the exact term that they use. Okay. You've, you've reached maximum medical benefit. Okay, yeah. Now I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what this means. So he doesn't tell me that I can't go back to work. I get an email at my work email. I'm not at work. Mm. So how am I supposed to see this email? I go to a PBA meeting. The PBA president says to me, um, did you did you get your email? I said, where? No, your work email. I'm like, no. So he doesn't even tell me what it is. So I, have to, I had to go into, into the job to actually access my email to read what it was. And it was that basically I had to retire and I have six months to do it. So that's how I got told I had to re- that I have to retire in an email. And they gave you six months. Maybe six months. From knowing time. that the process, when I went through in 2013 and 14, was nine months. No, it was, yeah, it was eight or nine months, something like that. Okay. Mine was a year and a half. Yours was yeah, a year and a half. Due to grand yeah. jury, though, correct? After you cleared grand, grand jury, how long was it? Seven or eight months. All right. But I know as the group went on, I would hear the younger guys going through it. They were in process for like 12, 13, 14, 15 months. Yeah, it took, it took two years. It took two years. Why did it take so long? Was there any inkling why? Uh, no. Just, or, or was it just backlogged? You're waiting to get on the docket. Yeah. Yeah. And but, now you weren't getting paid that whole time. No. they After the six months, that was it. They stopped paying me. So after the six months, I had to actually, you know, put in the retirement. And then it was like, okay, well, you know, like, well, what now? So it was just a whole waiting. Like, did you get to go on unemployment? Any of that? How did you survive? I um, I finally did go on un- unemployment. Like, there's nobody to tell you these things mm-hmm. to to do. So I finally did apply for unemployment. I got it for for a little bit. Then when I went for the extension, they said, "Well, the extension would be we have to send you to classes." And like, why are we sending you to classes when you can't work? So they're like, there's no point of us sending you to classes, getting you prepared to go to work when you can't work. So I couldn't get the extension. 
<laughs> this is a broken system. Yeah. So then your only option is to go on like SSI or something. I couldn't get Social Security because I didn't work enough like as a teenager or whatever, because I started I started as a cop early, so I didn't work enough to pay into Social Security. So there's a big thing people don't understand about police is we do not pay into Social Security. Therefore, we are not eligible for Social Security. Now, most of us do get it because upon retirement, you put in, you got to put in so many quarters in order to get that Social Security. And I had that before I was a cop, mm-hmm. thankfully. You'll know if you get a statement in the, in the mail. But you're not eligible for SSI, Social Security assistance, disability assistance, if you didn't put into it. That's that's horrible. Yeah. So I just... Did you go to... When you when you came up for in front of the board, in front of the pension board, did you go or did you just let your attorney go? It was um, COVID. So uh, it was over the phone. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> that, about throwing that, another wrench yeah, in there. That could have been what you know made it take a little bit longer, too. Was yeah. Because of COVID. Now, yeah. what, what was worse? Was it going through your incident, which was horrible, or going or just a waiting game for the retirement because the stress had to be awful? Yeah, it was going through everything else because just, yeah, everything else was stressful. Mm-hmm. And well, it just, you got PTSD to begin with, so your stress level is raised, and now it's going before the pension board. And the way the pension board works, if I'm not mistaken, you're either granted your full pension, which is 66 and two-thirds. Or you get 50%. So you're dealing with that too. Like, which way is the board going to see this? Right. You know, 66 yeah. and two thirds is tax free. And, people and 50% t- is taxed. People tell you all the time. I'm sure both of you're you. Shooing. I know. You're shooing. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Yeah. And that's fine. But you, until that, so they say, boom, they, they hit the gavel. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't help you to not worry. No, of course. Because I want to know, like, I think mine was five to seven. What were the, uh, those other five people thinking? Like, right. why, why did the other five people say no? No, I need to know this. And then I have to go for a yearly review, which oh, is which is coming yeah, up now. Reval. Listen. Yeah. Okay. So I went, I had to do that too. And I didn't think about it. And then when it came up, then you start feeling the feelings again. And I could sit here and, and try to reassure you, mm-hmm. but it's not going to do you any good. Yeah, it does it. It's not going to do it. Because you're still going to have the anxiety going up because your life could change on a dime. Yeah. Yeah. It could change on a dime. Yes. You know, too, what's what's funny, and you told me this, when you finally, when, you, when you're before the pension board and they finally tell you you got your pension, it's like anticlimactic. So anticlimactic. I remember, who was it? John Sergio was sitting on the board and he, I'm just sitting there. They, they'd approved me. And he's like, you can go now. You got your pension. It's exactly what he said to me in front of the whole board. And yeah. I just, oh, okay. I get outside. I wait till I get in my car. Now I'm in Trenton. Okay, not yeah. a nice area, Trenton. I'm just tro- strolling. State Street. I'm just West State Street. Been there, done that. I'm strolling down the street. Like I don't have a. Like I, I just found out that I have cancer. That's that's the type of reaction. I'm like, oh, okay. I get in the car, call my wife, and I said, Yeah. I'm, she goes, I go, Hey, how you doing? She goes, Okay, how are you? And I said, oh, I got my pension. Aren't you excited? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't disappointed. But I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, it was weird. I went in when I got called in, I go in with my attorney and I had like a whole statement that I was going to read, you know, I figured, you know, but what, address the court, (laughs) what happens is the pension board gets your case long in in advance Yeah, and they read everything. They go through all the doctor's reports and everything. So their decision is pretty much made already. Yeah. So I'm standing there and we go in and say my name, department and, you know, applied for retirement on such and such date. 
How do we vote? They all voted yes? Yeah. One guy was my attorney, my PBA attorney, so he couldn't, he recused himself. And he said, okay, you know, all in favor, aye, aye, all opposed, nobody opposed. He said, okay. Yeah, that's so, it. So I said to my attorney, do I say something? I said, what's going on? I said, do I say something? He said, yeah, say thank you and let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so we walked out and I said to him, I said, what happened? He said, you just got your pension. Yeah. So what, throughout this process, the stress, how did you cope with all the stress going on? <laughs> you know how we do. <laughs> you know how we roll. <laughs> Aside for from the liquid refreshments <laughs> that you often partake in and post pictures of. Yes. So what? What else? What, what other ways that were you able to to cope? Was it family members, friends, group? Yeah, it was definitely Mike Felice. Any of them? <laughs> it was definitely the. Um, Having the the family and the friends around because they they are the ones who see you the most. So you know, just having them actually check up on me, you know, making sure like if my funds were low, it was like throw me a couple of dollars, you know, here <laughs> yeah. and there or whatever. But it's like they they are the ones who who actually you know care. Mm-hmm. So it was like good to have them around. And my thing was the getting back going back outside because I started getting paranoid about being outside. I always felt like somebody was going to do something to me. So I was like, no, nah, I got to stay in the house. Mm-hmm. But the the getting back outside, I've actually had people notice. They're like, are you like, are you, are you okay? I'm like, no, yeah, I'm good. Like, why? They're like, cause you, like you literally sit here and you watch everybody. And it's like, I can't help it. I can't help it. You do get, cause that's the way I was in the beginning. It does get better. Yeah. That never goes away. Yeah. Uh, I will still, until recently, I could never sit with my back to to the door. Yeah. Or a window. Mike and I went out to breakfast this morning and I was able, that was a different story. So I was able to sit with my back to the door because I knew knew he was watching. (laughs) If if nobody's there that I don't trust, I, I don't think that would happen. So it never goes away. But you have this valuable information now. And and it would be a shame for this valuable information that's locked inside of your head because of your experiences to go wasted. If you saw somebody going down the same road as you, where they're heading towards retirement and they're going to have to fight this difficult process, off of your own playbook, what do you think you would tell them? What advice would you would you pass on to them? Sit down, buckle up, and <laughs> you're going for a ride. I don't even know because I guess – you know, everybody would be different, but it's just, it would definitely have to be, because if workman's comp is not sending you to, like, a reliable therapist or whatever, like, find your own. Find your own. Yeah, and um, everything else is just, you have to keep on on top of workman's comp, because they're, like, I've had times, like, I would leave messages, because nobody answers their phone. Don't. So I'm, I'm leaving messages. I I was looking for the address the one time. I was like, no, I'm going down there. Like somebody's going to talk to me. But yeah, you just have to just keep on top of that to, um, you know, make sure they don't forget you. Like I'm here. I have this going on with me. You know what happened to me, which it, it drove me through the wall. I had to wait 53 weeks to get the grand jury. When we finally get cleared by grand jury, our names were redacted from the reports. Mm-hmm. So our, our names weren't in any of the reports. So I had a pension caseworker 
who I used to check in with like once a week. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? You know, am I on the docket yet? So when I got the, I got a cop, my chief gave me a copy of the, the grand jury findings. And it says officer number one, officer number two, officer three, officer four. Our names aren't in it at all. So I send that down to my pension caseworker. I call her a couple days later and I said, you know, did you get the grand jury thing I sent you? She said, yeah, I got it. She said, but we have a problem with it. I said, what's the problem? She said, your name's not in any of the reports. We don't even know you were involved in it. I said, this isn't your first fucking rodeo. Mm -hmm. I said, this happened before when names were redacted from reports. What, how do I do it? Oh, uh, you know, let me talk to my supervisor and I'll call you back. I said, no, I'll call you back. Cause you never call people back. I'll call you back. So I waited about two days and I called her and I said, what do you need? Uh, we need a letter from your chief on department letterhead stating that you were officer number two in a, in a, in a grand jury report. When, when you come across a retirement such as this, you have to remain vigilant. You have to stay on top of so many different people because otherwise you're going to be falling by the wayside. Yeah. The fact that Mike, when you, when I'll call you back. That's being vigilant. The fact that you, Kaya, you became the curator of your own mental health. You saw these deficiencies in these in these certain therapists, and you said, this one's not for me. You were able to identify that you needed further assistance, and that's being vigilant. And that's an important thing. The one thing I want to say about the pension board is, thank God they are so thorough, though. They shouldn't. That's the dual-edged sword. Yes. yes. They shouldn't put you through what they put you through. But there's a lot of people out there now that don't want the job anymore. And they're not just going to quit. So they're going to try to, I don't want to say fake an injury or something like that, but they're going to try to manipulate the system and try to get out on a pension. You hope that the truth makes it through and the truth is what's going to save you ultimately and end you up where you want to be. I know a guy years ago, he was stapling paper. I've heard this one put a staple into his trigger finger. It was, it was, uh-huh. no, it was, it was a staple. He was stapling up the Q target yeah. for qualifying mm-hmm. and he got the staple through his trigger finger. Uh-huh. Yes. Retired. 66 and two thirds. Yeah. But years ago, I mean, the pension system has tightened up. Well, yeah. cause years ago there only used to be like three people on a docket. Yeah. You know, now you look at the docket every month and there's 15, 16, yeah. 17 people. Yeah. The, the pension system, and rightfully so. I rightfully so. I mean, if you're truly supposed to be retired with a full pension, I think, although they've they've ruled against it on several occasions that I thought were slam dunks, but eventually the truth comes out in the wash. Would you agree with that? Yeah. But like you're the guy with the staple through his finger, he probably got his pension before we got ours. Yeah. <laughs> he probably got it in like three weeks. I mean, we, we were in group with a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. Who got there denied. Was a gentleman from yeah. Newark who Newark. was, uh, he was involved in three critical incidents yeah. and they gave him, they initially gave him 40%. He had oh, to go wow. back. He and, eventually went back and fought. And, and, yeah. and Newark only gave him like two days off. Yeah. After each, after crazy? each incident. Yeah. That's, two days off and get back to work or you're fired. You know, when I first got into group, and I think it was before you even came, Mike, when I first got in there and there were some, there were some really good guys in there, but there was a couple that would float in and out that weren't part of that core group where yeah they got their pensions mm-hmm. and they i don't know whether they should have mm-hmm. but that's you know yeah that's well, the way look at the guy from west orange that we know but the the hurricane situation oh yeah he didn't he didn't get he didn't, his, yeah, he he didn't get his full stuff yeah. yeah that's a shame i mean he had to go out and get another job now there, there's, and he's doing very well for himself there, but. but there's a guy that there's a guy that should have you know he he needed that stuff and he, he he couldn't go like like all three of us here we couldn't go back to work. Yeah. He he's got like serious PTSD where he actually got went out and got a PTSD service dog. Yeah. Yes. No, I remember he wouldn't come to group if it was raining. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. yes. But uh, as a matter of fact, his name's Mike. I won't say his last <laughs> name, but he just reached out to me, and and we've sent, we've recently reconnected. So from the other side, of, actually, he's on this side of the world again. Do you, oh, okay. You want to hear a crazy story? Me and Kevin were sitting here waiting for a guest to come in one day, and we brought up his name. We were just sitting here talking. We brought up his name. Had to be about 10 minutes later. In the driveway. In my driveway. Mm -hmm. He's standing right there. We both get a text from the guy. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. This this, was bizarre. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was odd. (laughs) So we're coming to the end of this thing now, and I like to reflect on what we've spoken about for the last hour and 15 minutes Mm -hmm. or so. You've gone through all these different sufferings, both the suffering of your incident and the suffering of retirement of not getting paid and going through the process. What do you think it's taught you? To not give up. To not give up. Be vigilant, yeah. like Kevin said. You know, you got you got to stay on top of it. Yeah, you're you're the only one fighting for you. Yeah, you know, you have attorneys and everything else. And listen, my attorney was fine. Don't get me wrong. I didn't meet my attorney until the day I stepped into the in front of the board. Mm. I introduced myself to my attorney that yeah. day. Yeah, no, it feels like everything they put you through. It's like they want you to give up. But and no. that's that just makes me want to keep going more yeah. and more. But like, but some people may give up. Yeah. You know, they maybe they try to weed them out. Yeah, say no, this is what I deserve. Like the like the one that the, the one that does the um evaluation for the pension board. Mm-hmm. When I went for my reevaluation, my year reevaluation, he was like, Yeah, the last time, you know, I um I actually told them that he put it like he's like, Yeah, I told them like, Yeah, you do have the PTSD and all that. Like, yeah, I did that for you, basically. You know, like I lied for you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm like, well, I do have it. Like, so what? So what did you? You didn't do me a favor. Is no. is like how he was trying to put it. Like he did me a favor. But see, I, I know we want to. We're wrapping this up, but that's a scam too. Yeah, well, that's these are doctors from out of state. He doesn't even. He texted me. I'm like, you, I, you don't. We don't talk. Like, why are you texting me? Are you still coming in? First of all, I'm already here. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then, oh well. Well, I'm running late. I go into the office now because, you know, they just rent office space. I go in there, talk to the receptionist. She don't know who the person is. <laughs> yes, because they rent offices. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yes. the, the IME doctors. Yeah, IME doctors. They, they listen. Independent <laughs> medical evaluation. He uh, he texts me what I was wearing. What are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cologne you have on? Fuck with me? I'll fuck with you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, Kaya, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been a really great discussion that we sat down here. It's like old times with group, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mike? We should bring more group people in here. Get yeah, on just, we'll have a whole group <laughs> meeting here one day. Actually, I brought that up to Dr. Stefan. It's not a bad idea. I just don't have enough microphones. <laughs> We can share. (laughs) So that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. And let's think about all the stuff that we learned today. Telling the truth is not a favor. Change is a misunderstood term. Be vigilant. Keep moving forward and never give up. But most importantly, be the curator of your own mental health. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of Retirement with Kaya Washington. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Suffering Podcast. 